Good morning. It's nice to see all you smiling cars out there. I see you remember your bad behavior for parking lot etiquette. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Someone has a skeet thrower or something pointed right here at me up front here. Hopefully there's no guns to go with those skeets when they go fly in my direction. Or Here we are again, 98.7 ECC Radio. This special service brought to you by the Delta variant of COVID-19. I am glad to see you. We're going to keep doing this whatever way we have to do this. You know, uh, I think sometimes it's hard to pivot, and I don't like to pivot. And um, you want to make the best choices with the information you have. And, you know, pivoting's hard, but it's as hard as we make it sometimes. And uh, there's some hard things going on in this world right now, and we need to acknowledge that. And uh, Norm said a special prayer for circumstances over in Afghanistan. Uh, and I think it's good for us to pray, pray about those things. I want to pray for something closer to home as we get started this morning. Um, the capacity in the hospitals um, here in town, they're near full. And uh, I think a lot of our medical care providers are under a lot of extra stress right now, and um, uh, they could use special encouragement. And I'd like to just pray for their well-being and for the well-being of people who are here in town and part of our church even, who are um, fighting for their lives. Uh, and they have significant health challenges right now. So if you would join me in prayer. Lord, uh, I just pray for your healing to come, that you would deliver people and protect them, deliver them from this pandemic, help them to recover swiftly and without complications. Lord, I just pray for your intervention as a great physician. And I also pray for your intervention uh, to encourage those who are trying to care for the sick. Be with healthcare professionals at this time. Be with our hospital system. Be with all of those who are trying to care in compassionate ways for those who are, are facing significant health challenges. And Lord, I think they're having to start to make some hard decisions, and it can be a very discouraging place, a very isolating place. And Lord, we all feel isolated in different ways in our lives. And we need a glimpse of something more and something brighter. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not understood. It's so, Lord, shine in the darkness of all the situations that are around us that we are facing, and bring goodness and bring healing. And, Lord, bless our time together now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let's get to a sermon. Uh, we are continuing our series called The Call of the King. And uh, we're basically looking at and asking the question about what kind of priority are we giving Jesus Christ in our lives? What kind of priority does Jesus get? What slot does we, do we put him in? What slot does he occupy in our hearts? And so uh, these last few weeks we've been looking at some of the games we play 
or the excuses that we come up that uh, come up with that end up distancing uh, we distance ourselves from God and primarily we try to distance ourselves from other people and we haven't really talked about things like consequences for years of defiance uh, uh, against God and what that leads to and uh, you got to know uh, if you're a serious student of the Bible, the wrath of God is real and the judgment of God is real. And actually that's a good thing because the justice of God is real. We need justice. We want justice. And God alone can provide justice. So that's some of the goodness of our king. But in my experience, guilt and fear, they're short-term motivators. Meaning, a, a person could be guilted into doing things that probably should be doing, or p things that should be good for them. Uh, because a person is fearful, sometimes they will try things that they were maybe not willing to do before. But these are short-lived solutions. I think the only thing that I have seen in this world that has the ability to hold the attention of our hearts indefinitely, it's love. Love is the only thing capable of holding the attention of our hearts indefinitely. Now it's hard for us because we try to hedge our bets when it comes to the call of King Jesus. When it comes to Jesus, what we think he wants us to do, what he's saying, what it's going to cost us, what he's asking me to give up, we try to walk a fine line. What is the minimum I'm required to do in order to not lose out on the goodies of heaven? I want the blessing, but what's the bottom line, the cost I have to give? What do I... And as I've been trying to point out, that kind of thinking in itself is a losing proposition because what kind of heart does that portray? Or what kind of heart does that show? What does that say about my heart? It is, in the end, the logic of a heart that's running from God. But as I alluded to, the bigger part of uh, the story of King Jesus, it's not the games we play, it's not the excuses that we come up with, uh, it's not the fact that there is going to be wrath and there's going to be judgment. The biggest part of the story of Jesus Christ is His goodness and His love. Now, even during Jesus' life on earth, some couple thousand years ago, there were plenty of people who wouldn't give Jesus the time of day. The, their indications, they wouldn't bother walking across the street to hear something he had to say. Whatever the distractions were of the day, those other things, they were way more interesting than some itinerant rabbi from Galilee, of all places, and certainly, there are people who begin to receive the message of Jesus with enthusiasm, but they quickly turn aside and they turn away when they realize something of the difficulty and, and the costs associated with the, life that, with the life that Jesus was calling people to. So like in the sixth chapter of John's Gospel, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at a lot of verses today. John chapter 6, verse 60 and 66. 
When Jesus was giving a hard teaching, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it says in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed. The cost is too high. I don't understand. I don't think I want this. And throughout human history, people have turned away from the call of King Jesus because of the cost of discipleship. And we haven't talked enough, I think, in the church uh, about the cost of non-discipleship. You see, the, the narrow path is, in fact, the easier path for us to walk on. And so even though there were plenty of people who wouldn't give Jesus Christ the time of day, there were plenty of people who would only follow him a little while and then give up, by and large, people were drawn to Jesus, especially people who were hurting. Jesus was magnetic. In Mark 12:37b, it says, When the crowds listened to him, they listened to him with delight. They were delighted to hear what Jesus had to say. Or I really like the way the King James Version has this. I don't like the King James Version myself, but in this case, I think it's great. The translation says, The common people heard him gladly. They heard him gladly. You know, some of you feel a burden listening to me preach. People didn't feel that way about Jesus. When they listened to him, their hearts came alive. They began to see things in themselves. It's what I hope to obtain to in some small way through the power of the Holy Spirit, any words that I'm given that I get to share. In fact, Jesus was so popular and his message was so powerful that from a worldly perspective, the reason that Jesus Christ was murdered was because of envy of the religious authorities of that day. They were jealous of him. The crowds were flocking to him. Lives were being changed. He was throwing the doors of the kingdom of God wide open, and their places of power and influence were being threatened. It was envy that led them to get rid of this guy. Well, how do you measure beauty? How does this culture measure attractiveness? Attractive people, people that we want to be like, people that we want to be. Uh, sometimes it's measured in our education, our credentials, our connections, political influence, power. Wealth and resources at our disposal. We, that's a big one for our culture. He who dies with the most toys wins. But what made Jesus attractive? In Isaiah 53, it says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus was kind of an ugly dude, it sounds like, from Isaiah but he was the most attractive human being to ever walk the face of this earth. 
See, the charisma of Jesus Christ was the beauty of his heart. And people were so attracted to Jesus that they would travel long distances to see him. They would climb sycamore trees. They would rip the roofs off of buildings. They would crawl through crowds of people just to have the chance to touch the hem of his garment. And on one occasion when a blind man heard that Jesus Christ was about to pass that way, he began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. You remember that story? In the crowd, they tried to shush him up. Shh! Do everything peaceably and in order. Shh! Now is not the time for this. He has more important things to do. And what is that blind man's response? He began to holler all the louder to get his chance with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a friend like that? A friend who understands your circumstances perfectly. Who knows your own heart better than you know your heart yourself. Who, a friend who has the power to fix whatever mess you're in. Who has the resources they want to share to fix whatever problems you have. A friend who always speaks the perfect word on every occasion. You know, I do my best to encourage you guys. I love, I love the people of this church. I really do. And I feel so inadequate in my tasks so many times. And I play through in my mind the text messages as I send, the, the words I speak to you. And I feel like, boy, I'm just flubbing it up all over the place. Can you imagine a friend who always spoke the exact perfect word that we needed to hear? You know, some of us have been living that life with that kind of friendship for a very long time. We just sang about that. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share. That is a living, interactive relationship with Jesus Christ, the King and Savior of this universe that is available to each and every one of us who come to Him. The beauty of King Jesus was His person, who He was in the depth of His heart. But the beauty is also seen in His word and His calling, the content of what He shared with people. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Isaiah 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, and who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Your God reigns means God has got you. Whatever it is we're going through, COVID, Afghanistan, whatever our issues are, whatever the challenges we face of our day, your God reigns. It's hard for us to believe that and trust that sometimes. Your God reigns mean your God has got your back. 
Now, if you haven't made Jesus your king in truth, you have a different problem. But for those who have taken on the yoke of discipleship with Jesus Christ, there's nothing that will befall you that in the end he cannot work toward good and toward your redemption. See, with Jesus, death is not the end of the story. But what is the good news that King Jesus brings when he calls us? See, the message of Jesus Christ is the greatest news, the best news that has ever been announced in human history. Namely, the immediate availability of the kingdom of God, even now in this life. A kingdom that will continue in force throughout all eternity. You see, in Jesus Christ, and this is crazy, this crazy Christian moment here. In Jesus Christ, you and I are the only things in this parking lot, the only people, the only beings in this parking lot that have the potential to outlast this universe. Isn't that crazy? So when Jesus is in the synagogue and he reads from the prophet Isaiah, he unrolls the scroll and finds the place where it says this. He is announcing a message that is so radical and so exciting that people were magnetically drawn. It was the message of the availability of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is not just for the up and in, but for those who are hurting and down and out and otherwise despised or disgusting. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The call of King Jesus is this. He wants to go into business with you. He wants to be your business partner. That is the call of the king. And your age, your race, your gender, your credentials, your resources, none of that matters. The king wants you. Remember that Uncle Sam uh, army recruiting poster? I want you, that, you know, drawn out. still remember that from my childhood anyway, that picture. Are you down and out? Are you a failure? Are you weak? You don't have much? Jesus says, it's okay, I want to go into business with you. I'll put up all the capital, I'll cover all the startup costs. Can you imagine that? Your king is looking for partners. That is his call. So what is God interested in regarding me and my life, you and your life? He's looking for partners who would be willing to share his goodness, share in his goodness and share his goodness with others. And in this process, he's also interested in our personal transformation. He wants you to be capable of receiving love, all the love that he wants to pour out, capable of receiving all of his goodness. He is moving us from being servants to being friends to being sons and daughters 
who receive an inheritance. The keys of the car. So the goodness of the king, it's found in the goodness of his call and the goodness of his person. I don't think you can separate his call from his person. They are both spectacularly good. So the goodness of his call is the availability of the kingdom of God now that we can begin to live in those kinds of resources now, that we can trust in that now. Even as this world crumbles and falls apart, we have a place to stand in Jesus Christ. All the power, all the authority, all the resources we need made available to us in faith. But the goodness of his person, we've got to talk about that too. What are the defining qualities of your king, of King Jesus? So let me say, you know, about the goodness of his call. People think of Jesus in terms of, hey, do this and don't do that. And we avoid God in general because we are afraid, what is he going to ask me to give up? There are do's and don'ts, that's true. But that's not how the, ki- the call of the king comes. See, the call of the king is this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. That is the call of King Jesus. Come to me. Stay with me. Be with me. Learn from me. Remain in me. Abide in me. His call is to be in relationship. What does he want most of all from you and my, from you and I? He wants to be your lover. He wants to be in business with you. He wants a relationship with you. See, we build up in our minds how miserable it's going to be. Oh, I have to to stop doing this. I have to let go of this. I have to... He's going to make me give up things I love. He's going to make me do work. See, we miss that He helps grow our love to set our hearts, teaches us how to set our hearts on things that are worthy of our hearts. Things that are actually good for us. Things that we can enjoy without limit. Oh, but He's going to give us work. i got enough work to do. I don't need His work. <laughs> See, we think of the work of God as driving us out into the middle of nowhere and kicking us out of the car and telling us, hey, good luck. I hope you can figure things out. I'm glad I'm not out here with you, but hey, uh, figure this out. And we miss that the work of God is more like sitting on the front porch laughing with Grandma, snapping green beans. He's together with us, in it. 
And the relationship is so good and it's so sweet that when the work happens, it's more fun than the work. God can make that happen and does make that happen regularly. The call of King Jesus is a good call. But that goodness is also in his person, the characteristics of his person as well. So I was thinking this week, what are the qualities of Jesus Christ that I find most attractive? And uh, I came up with a short list, and there are, you could spend a lifetime just thinking about these, and it's not an exhaustive list. But I thought about his compassion, I thought about his holiness, I thought about his power, I thought about his humility. And all of these things, compassion, holiness, power, and humility, are the building blocks that help us understand his love. The great love that he has for each and every one of us. So we're going to finish this morning looking at the compassion of Jesus. We'll explore some of these others uh, in upcoming weeks. Maybe out in the woods. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. We're just going to look at a few verses that talk about the compassion of Jesus Christ. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The Greek word here for will, it means a wish or a deep desire. Basically, he's asking Jesus, do you have it in the depths of your heart, a willingness to help me? Basically, the leper is saying, I know you have the ability, but what is the desire of your heart? And I just want to point out this leper's faith. He's not supposed to be there. It says there's a large crowd. A leper is supposed to announce, unclean, unclean, get away from me and stay away from everyone. He's not supposed to be around crowds. But the kingdom of God is for violent men who are willing to storm the kingdom by force and take it and not be told no for an answer. In desperation, his faith has moved him where he's laying it all on the line and he goes in the path and he's kneeling before Jesus asking, what is in the bottom of your heart? And the only thing more astonishing to me than this man's faith is the compassion of Jesus when he says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. You don't touch lepers in that day and time. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. That is the heart of Jesus. To reach out, to touch, to heal. Matthew 9, 35 and 36. Just a chapter later. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, 
and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, this compassion of King Jesus, it's not a one and out thing. It is, you just read through the Gospels, this is the overall tone of everything there, the astounding picture. It's of a Savior of deep and abiding compassion. This compassion shown over and over and over again throughout His message, His ministry on earth. Matthew 14, 13 and 14. And this is just after Jesus gets news of John the Baptist being beheaded. They cut his head off. It's his cousin. He's heartbroken. He's trying to get away and be alone. But the people won't leave Jesus alone. And when I'm trying to get away and be away from people and people won't let me, that's when I get frustrated. That's when I get cranky. But when he sees these people that are relentlessly following him, Jesus reacts this way. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when, So he's out on a boat and they're watching him from shore, trying to run and anticipate where he's going to stop. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And then we're familiar with the story from Matthew 15, 32 then. The compassion of the king feeding more than 5,000 people. Jesus called his disciples and he said, I have compassion for these people. Matthew 15:32 I have compassion for these people they have already been with me for 3 days and have nothing to eat I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way even something as practical as our need for food he has compassion There's a fascinating story there's stuff in Mark, Luke, John, all of the Gospels. But one fascinating story from Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 16. If you want to look there, Luke 7, 11 through 16. Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother... And she was a widow, someone who is particularly vulnerable and at risk. She was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. And he said, said, young man, I say to you, get up. 
And the dead man sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And everyone who was there, they were filled with awe and they praised God saying, A great prophet has appeared among us. And they said this, God has come to help his people. God has come to help his people. And more than anything else, that's what we want to know. God, are you going to be there to help me? Are you going to help your people? Because it's kind of bad right now. There's two stories in the Gospels of Jesus being so upset that he weeps, that he's moved to tears. In neither case is it a, a situation about his own suffering or his own sorrow or his own inconveniences or his own pains. In both cases, it's sorrow for others. In one case, it's the whole city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you up like a hen gathers her chicks. But you would not have me. It breaks his heart. And the other is when his friend Lazarus has died. And those who were mourning there, Jesus' heart is such that when he sees this scene, the God and creator of the universe, his heart is moved to weep with the people. Your king is filled with so much compassion that he is drawn to those who are hurting, who those, to those who are in pain, to those who are suffering. You look who Jesus deals with most gently in the Gospels. It's the people who usually, we would say in worldly terms, they are the least deserving of Christ's compassion. And so time and time again, you know, and, and sometimes we play this game too. We think, God's holy, I'm not. God can't be around me because I'm not holy. Your unholiness, your brokenness, it's like a magnet for your God. And He comes to you. And His holiness is so great that it just flows over our unholiness and it purges us and it makes... It's like we talked about in light for the communion slot. Whenever the light is there, there's no darkness anymore. It has to go. But time and again, it's the morally disgusting, the socially outcast, the inexcusable, and the undeserving who Christ seems to most naturally gravitate to them. He is, by the testimony of his enemies, a friend of sinners. That's good. Because sometimes I realize I am that sinner and he's my friend. The dominant picture of the Gospels that the Gospels paint is a picture of a king who in compassion, the Holy Son of God, he moves toward, touches, heals, embraces, and forgives those who least deserve it and yet truly desire it. 
That's quoted from a book called uh, Gentle, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. So my invitation to us today, Rob, you can come up when I'm done here. My invitation today is to remember to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Because thinking about Jesus, thinking about his character, his mission, his desire for me, those are such good things that they are like chicken soup for our weary souls, for our sin-sick souls. And it's only by setting our minds on things above, things like the beauty of Jesus Christ himself in his person and in his message, that we're going to be changed enough and that we're going to trust enough to be of much earthly good here in this world. Most of us are so worried about our own stuff, we're not of much earthly good to much of very many of anyone. For those who are most focused on Christ, living from the power of His Spirit, the power of His resources, we don't quit, we don't give up, we keep going, keep trying, keep learning, fall on our face, make mistakes, get up and go some more. That is our invitation. That is the goodness of your King to be with us every step of the way. And when we can't walk anymore, He carries us. He gives us a community. And maybe that community is not in the auditorium right now. It's out here in the parking lot. But we are a community. And we have a call. And we have good work to do. Thank you so much for joining us today. But spend some time thinking about just what is it what is it that attracts you to Jesus? What is it that repels you from Jesus? What is it, though, that your heart longs for most of all? And invite Jesus into that because he is good, good like no other. And we're going to keep unfolding that in upcoming weeks. Uh, but stand your cars up as we sing together. You can stand in front of your car. You can stand. No, just kidding. Stay seated. Let's... Uh, let's uh, park and sing.